I'm Leonard Nimoy. Join me for In Search of... An Argument! Hi everyone, welcome to In Search of an Argument, which you all know because you just heard the opening music which says In Search of an Argument and Jim is going to yell at me for saying, but I like to say it because, you know, it's live this way and it's more real. Uh, We are doing a... Jim's rolling his eyes. Uh, we are doing a special um, intermezzo uh, episode of the podcast um, uh, because today we are recording this on March 1st and it is International Women's Day. So uh, I thought we'd just start with a quick little check-in. Um, Peg, what's going on? Hey, not much. <laughs> Happy to be a woman. <laughs> That's good. All right, glad that's on your mind. Jim, what's going on with you? Um, just happy to be here, John. <laughs> okay. Try to modulate your voice and keep it at the same volume all the time when you speak. <laughs> Don't get extra loud. Don't get quiet. Just hold it at the same level. Shelly, what are you thinking about? Uh, I am thinking about my upcoming uh, little trip vacation that I'm going to take oh. this Wednesday to Marco Island, Florida with my sisters. Super excited to escape this environment that i'm in now oh my god and get some sun are you driving no you're flying flying. where's marco island please don't get any sun uh marco (laughs) island is like almost the furthest tip of florida um like key west it's it's about an hour uh from um i think that's south it has to be from fort myers okay so it's in the gulf myers neat fun cool that will be fun 50. that's oh, that's even more fun mm-hmm. yeah. beth what's on your mind well i'm also taking a trip and getting on an airplane on friday to go surprise a friend uh it's her birthday on friday and so i've arranged it with her husband and i'm gonna fly up to providence and see them and i'm super super excited but also have that like a little bit of it's not quite shame, but like I don't want to tell a lot of people because yeah. you know we're still not really supposed to be doing that. But so you're announcing it on the podcast. This, I guess when well, <laughs> this will drop after I'm already there, and our True. twelve listeners probably know already. So it's they know to keep their mouth closed. They know that you. And really, so what do you mean you're not supposed to be doing that? You aren't supposed to leave your confines because of where the state. I mean, I've been trying to follow. No, it's not. I think all the states are just kind of given up on trying to restrict us. But yeah. it, it's just one of those, like, I haven't gotten the shots yet. They haven't gotten the shots yet. I'll be getting on an airplane. They had to feel comfortable with me staying in their house. Um, sure. All that. Yeah. So I'll go. Don't feel guilty anymore. Wednesday, but um, I'm just so excited to, like, leave this little corner bedroom in my house yeah but somewhere. you john yeah. beth you have gone to other places before but you haven't flown is that what you're saying that's the difference right i haven't flown and i went to my aunt's house to help her which was the lord's work so if i died i was going straight to heaven so <laughs> <it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Shelley, so you, you had a theological about? dispensation in that case is that what you're saying exactly yes okay. Yes, <laughs> correct. Well, uh, Will, young Will, fan of the podcast oh. and frequent guest, is flying to Arizona this weekend to go to a friend's wedding. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, how do you feel about that? Yeah, you know, uh, 
when the arrangements were made many months ago, I'm sure that they didn't foresee things would still be in a sort of perilous state. So I get it seemed like a safe bet at the time. But, uh, you know, a little nervous. He's going to get tested uh, before he, he's got to get tested because he's working this week anyway. So, you know, get tested and he's just got to be careful. I mean, the main thing is, you know, you got to, not spend a lot of time around a lot of people unmasked. I mean, that's the best thing you can do. Yeah. Shell? I'm not too worried about it. I'm going to wear masks and, um, you know, I've got my hand sanitizer stuff. Um, I did get an email from Southwest that they can't guarantee that the middle seats will be empty, which didn't surprise me because my sister, who's been going there about every other week, has said that they've the planes have been full for about Of course they are. Of course they are. We're yep. Americans. Are you guys not going together so the three of you could sit in one row? No, we can. We, we'll all be together. But I think it was more of the fact that the plane will be full mm. rather than a stranger near us. We're all going to sit together. Sounds well, fun. Well, yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm excited that people are, are getting out. I hate to say it. I mean, you got to live. So I'm glad people are living. It's good. Do things. Um so uh, this episode is about International Women's Day, actually International Women's Month, which starts today. And I'll just disclose the reason why, what prompted my interest in the, t the subject, which is two things. One is I read an article in the Washington Post that maybe some people saw about how women's participation in the workforce has dropped precipitously during the pandemic, like massively um, to the point where Joe Biden has called it a national emergency. And um, the participation levels are now, of uh, the number of women in the US workforce are now at the level that they were at in 1988. I think it's interesting that we have three women on this podcast, none of whom have stopped working <laughs> at all. And so I, we can get, I'm hoping we're gonna get some uh, some perspectives from, uh, from, from that angle. But from my perspective, um, I think the main reason why most women, according to what I'm hearing is, one of the main reasons the uh, women are staying home is to, to take care of kids and to help them with distance learning as schools are closed or as schools are um, sticking with distance learning. And so, I am I am not I am not educating my child who is a year old and is um, going not yet going to school. But I am there is no question that at least for a significant portion of this pandemic until very recently in Chicago, one of us, my husband or I, had to stay home because there were no daycare centers that were open and you had no choice. So uh, that and and that is still that that's still variable in Illinois. I don't know about where you guys are, but daycare centers aren't open 100 percent here even now. So um, there's a there's a, a lot of women are uh, are staying home um, to take care of kids, and um, uh, I feel like I'm you know I'm feeling their pain <laughs> in many ways, at least in terms of just the the being home and not a, not really having the option to um, to do much else. So I can't, that's what that's what prompted my interest in it, and um, I just kind of wanted to hear what all of you guys were thinking about the. Um, that statistic and about maybe what we can what we can do about it so i mean just uh, maybe just we can just start by going around and hearing first and first thoughts what are you thinking about about that number and what does it mean for us and and what does it mean for you who wants to go i'll go Shell. um i think it's um not surprising to me actually um because the Still, traditionally, the primary 
responsibility of taking care of the kids, the house, and so forth still falls in um, on the on the woman in the house. Um, uh, also, sadly, she's usually not the major breadwinner. And when they talk about, you know, okay, we're going to have to cut from a two-income family to a single-income family. We need to have the primary breadwinner continuing to work. So if you, you know, you follow the steps, it kind of makes sense. Is it right? I think it's absolutely not right. I think I would like to think that maybe decisions were made by in a collective, but when you get down to brass tacks, it comes down to money and how are we going to support this family and how long is this going to last? Um, and I think, you know, I know from my sisters, my one sister who has young kids, the other ones are in high school um, and could do it online and, and things. Uh, she was going crazy. Um, she just could not really keep up and she has a part-time job. So in her part-time job, wow. it's very fluid. So she has great flexibility with her job, but she still couldn't do it. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Who's next? And I just wonder how, if it, when, and it will pick back up. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. I want to talk about both okay. solutions and okay. when we think the trend is going to change or if we think the trend is going to change. I want to get to that, okay. but just first, uh, first thoughts. Uh, I'll go next. So women, and they'll, this will come out, um, this month with everyone promoting that it's, uh, you know, the month we celebrate women that white women, what we make, I think it's 78 cents per a white man's dollar. Mm -hmm. Black women make less, Hispanic women make less than that. They also do it the other way where they'll show, you know, in November, okay, now you finally made what somebody made back then. Um, yeah. And this is just going to hurt that even more. Uh, to Shelley's point, you know, the women are the ones who exit the workforce when it's a parent you have to take care of or a child or daycare costs almost as much as you're making because you're, you know, just a whole history of the jobs women used to go into or what was available to them. And so it's a huge, huge issue. And there's, I have, um, lots of women friends who are struggling with this and, you know, trying to do the supervision of schooling and their full-time job. I have one friend who had to pull her kid out of school last year because it just, the kid couldn't do remote learning. And, you know, I just, I think this is going to have a decades long impact, sadly, a negative impact on us unless we do some really major policy changes. Thanks. Peggy, Jim. Peggy. <laughs> Peggy. Is Peggy there? Do we lose I'm her? I'm here. Sorry. Oh. Um, Peggy's eating. Yeah, it's she interesting. Had to her food. Peggy's. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, she was busted. <laughs> even without video, um, you're still busted, Peg. <laughs> What are you was, eating, Pig? What are you, what are you enjoying? A, right at the a turkey burger. Ah. Ooh, turkey burger sounds good. I the big question of the time wait we're minute, recording this Let now Peg for me is always should we? I'm letting her swallow her food, Jim. Thank I'm being you. nice, unlike you, who are putting her on the spot and right. amplifying the fact that she's eating while I'm doing it. I'm trying to save her. Uh, I just wanted to. I mean, uh, we're recording at 
it's I guess six thirty Eastern time, which is at five thirty Chicago time, and it's like I was like, should I eat before or after? <laughs> and, and I tried what to I, eat before, but it didn't work. It's <laughs> hard to schedule things, and I tell you, it is. It's even harder. I was I I listen to, as Jim talks about all the time. I listen to a lot of fucking podcasts, and um, I have I can't tell you the number of people who talk about the fact that they're having trouble. Like people who are very successful podcasts where they have like Target advertising on their show, and they're like, you know, I have to record at five thirty in the morning when my husband's out, so that he doesn't hear me when I don't hear him when I'm recording would be when he's on his phone calls in the other room, and like people are doing some. I mean, are really going to a Herculean effort. So, Peg, I appreciate you swallowing your turkey burger uh, for us thanks. before the That's show. Nice. Wait, that was um, a so completely worthless interjection, by the way. What was the sure. point? I want to do sure. a little a sure, sidebar sure, sure. convo about Woman's Day. I, I think I've told you guys this story before about when I was living in Uzbekistan. They mm. really celebrate this day. And um, we were in our house and the door, somebody pounded on the door, and there was one of the local members of staff and she had a chicken for us and she gave it to us and said happy women's day here's wow. here's your chicken a live chicken <laughs> no oh it was dead but it was so we were all like oh wait what's women's day i mean i do, i feel like i've never heard of it prior to 2006 how or seven um, I don't know. How long have we been celebrating that in this country? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, well, it's it's International Women's Day, so I imagine it's some UN-related body that came up with it, not necessarily like in the U.S. it was never but... on my radar prior to that, and now I hear about it every year. Um, yeah, of course, I agree with everything uh, Beth and Shelley have said. I'll be, when Beth says a decade setback, that's kind of interesting to me. Yeah. So... I don't really haven't know a whole lot of people in that predicament. Most of my friends with kids, their kids are older now. Mm. So they don't need to be home all the time. Um, mm. And I'll be, yeah, I mean, it, the other side of it is that maybe some of those women are going to like not working and they're not going to want to go back by choice. It's kind of a interesting thought of, on that too. I mean, a lot of people are, I can't imagine going back to my office every single day, eight to five ever again. Like, is that ever going to, I love the flexibility. So it's kind of off track, but. No, 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 it's right on. I think it's great. Some people might choose not to go back if they can. Yeah. This may have opened up the door. Great. Jim. Well, of course, there's a difference between people who will work remotely and people exiting the labor force. Uh, so it, the issue uh, that needs to be resolved to greatly reverse this, is- this problem is that the schools have to be fully reopened. If the schools are not fully reopened in the fall of 21, which I'd be surprised if they're not but if they're not fully reopened in the fall of 21, it will be a serious economic and political disaster. Obviously, if they can reopen sooner, that's great. But we're already into March of this year, and the school year usually ends in May or June for most people anyway. So there is, you know, what Unless happens this spring? What happens this spring? Well, we're talking about the United States because that's where 
the statistics you're talking for from John from the United States. So what happens this year uh, is not unimportant, but the but if we don't have schools fully reopened by next fall, this is just one of the many aspects of that problem. But uh, I think they probably will be fully reopened by next fall, but we'll see. Well, so that maybe prompts the next level of the conversation, Jim. Maybe you can just continue with that. So assuming that that's the case, how quickly are we going to get back to 2018 levels uh, female participation in the workforce? I mean, that I would suspect that once the schools are fully reopened and once the economy is back to where it is, the question is, there's then the, this becomes a sub question, and once the schools are reopened, of the when does the economic, how quickly does the economy bounce back? And that is a uh, unknown, obviously, but there is at least some theory that once the schools are open and once there's a high level of vaccination in the country, that the economy may become roaring back to the point where there are now people worried about inflationary pressure. That's obvious. I think it's premature to do that. But that is well. I'm just saying. I'm not. I said. (laughs) Wait, wait. I want to hear more from Beth on this. I want to hear from Beth on this. Let's get. Let's get some more information from Beth. Beth, tell us why. Before, but just let's get a side note from Beth, and then we'll come back to you, Jim. (laughs) Beth, give us a. Why is that bullshit? So much recovery to do in our economy. I agree with you. Before we have to worry about inflation. I agree with you. It's. I agree with you. Jim, let her finish, please. All these conservatives who don't want us to spend money to try and get the economy back on stable footing. You know, they'd rather give away trillions of dollars on these damn tax cuts. But now when we're actually going to put money into the economy in people's hands, they're like, ooh, inflation, inflation. It's bullshit. Okay. Uh, That is true. But there are also some economists. I don't agree that we should be worried about it right now. But there are some economists who are not necessarily partisan who are worried but again, I agree with you, Beth, that I don't think we should be worried about it right now. We can worry about it when the time comes. But uh, if you get to the level where... It's like Chicken Little, Jim. I mean, they've been, you know, when the economy... I agree with you. Yeah. Okay. I agree with you. And the Fed policy All right, Jim, has finish. managed... Jim. <laughs> All right. Okay. Sorry. Jim, I agree with another you. episode. How many times do I have to say I agree with you? Um, I was just pointing out my point in raising that was simply because there are there's a strong sense among economists that once you have a level of vaccination that allows particularly schools, but also a lot of other businesses to fully reopen, then the economy will come roaring back. Whether or not that's true, no one knows. So make a prediction. How quickly? I'm just saying. Just, just give me what? a range. Give me a range, Jim. I a year that, or 20 years? What, what is your question? When will we that back to be, what? How to quickly the, will the levels of female participation in the I, workforce I don't, return I'm, to 2018 levels? Two years. Two years. Okay. Beth, what do you say? I, I still think it's... I think it's eight to ten years. Okay. Okay, Shelley, what do you say? I'll just I'll say five. I have no basis. For Peggy, yes. no, None that's of what us I do, like. This is what way. it's great. None of us do. Yeah. That's <laughs> why. Okay. Why I, do you like it. this? Why do you like us making predictions that we have no factual basis for? 
You mean like us predicting like who's going to win the time person of the year okay. award? But that is actually <laughs> when none of us has ever. That's actually time. not a serious question, right? <laughs> this that's not si- a serious. This is it. Yeah, the question of speculate. You don't think this things? is a serious problem? Then why are we talking? We can't about speculate it? about serious things the way we speculate about I lighthearted think that's things. We speculated about the economy before, Jim. We've speculated about it in very narrow range, like what we think the unemployment rate will be. A year oh dear God! Okay? that's not serious. Do you, everybody thinks the unemployment rate will be lower a year from now than Peg. it was in six Let's hear years. Peg. Six. Peg, you say six. six years. All right, all right, Jim. I agree. I think those are that's all true. Um, but I just want I do, I do want to just hear your what guess, people's John? feelings are. What's your guess? What people's feelings John? are? I think what it's gonna. I think it'll be. Yeah, I think it'll be ten to twenty years. Uh, I think seriously that we're looking at the 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 what I'm hearing from what I'm hearing from the from the economists that I'm hearing on the po- the many podcasts I'm listening to they're talking about um, you know it took ten years to recover from the Great Recession and this is way worse yep. and 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 if you're saying Jim that a precursor to women's participation in the workforce is not only schools opening but the economy okay. returning to where it was I think we have a long way to go. I don't. I don't. That's. That's. I think. No, that's, I think that's, that's fine. Not, first but of all, that is but, not an accurate about... summary of what I said. Okay. Okay. Secondly, there is no reputable economist who I have read, and I don't know who you listen to on these ridiculous podcasts. Marketplace on NPR. To. Well, there is no reputable economist who compares these two events. One was caused by a natural disaster, i.e., a pandemic. Okay. One was caused mm-hmm. by fundamental issues with the financial system. One is solvable. Once you clean up, once you stop the pandemic, the problem is solved. Un- untangling the problem with the financial system is far more complicated. Secondly, it's an exaggeration to say that it took 10 years to recover. That's simply not true. Okay? So... Why, once you, unless you assume that the vaccines will fail and the pandemic will continue at its current levels permanently or for some continuing number of years, these predictions don't make sense. Well, so I have a question. So my, and my give next me the name about... of these reputable economists my... who made so... these claims, because I want to fact check that, because I find that very hard to believe. Good. So my next question is about International <laughs> Women's Day in general. I kind of want to hear what you guys think. It's, um, it, I do think it's interesting, Peg, that you were saying that you haven't really heard about International Women's Day you know, other, until recently, or you didn't know about it. And I don't know that. I don't know that I've. Uh, I'm sure there's somewhere an International like Gay Persons Day that I should probably know about, since that would be my tribe. If in fact I'm being forced into some kind of identity politics tribe. Um, um, which I may be or may not be, but I guess I'm curious what you guys think about the idea of International Women's Day. Wait a minute. Like, is it does it gay do anything pride for us? What essentially do you think? the same thing as what you're talking it, about? It, it, it could be. It could be. Pride is... And in fact, is, we did an it, episode... It's interesting. We don't call it Women's Pride Day. Okay, but whether we call it something different, we well, did an episode matters, on this Jim. podcast about gay pride. Well, okay, but that's a different question, right? There is a gay well, pride my question day, is, right? My question is, and it's wanna, recognized each in of our guests. multiple countries, right? Yeah. So I want that's what I want to know. I want to hear from each of our guests okay. about what are Again, they think John, of. Again, John, questions should be based on factual premises. 
correct What do you think about internet? I want to know feelings, Jim. I want to hear about feelings. Okay, that's a different thing. But when you state things as facts, as premises to your feeling questions, they should be correct facts. What fact did I say wrong? You said that there is no such thing as international gay recognition. I don't. I said there probably is a day. No, that's, that's not what you said. Day day. John, your words are recorded. It is Jim. Yeah. Jim, it is Jim. Exactly it what is. I said. It's acknowledged. It is what he said, Jim. Okay, but, but I, I think I, the point is we should move on. Yes. Yeah, just whatever your feelings are. I'm just curious, like if if it's if you guys think it's like I don't know, is it just is it is it just a a, a hallmark holiday? Um, is it is there some is there significance to it in some in some I don't know meaningful sense of moving the world forward and making things better or is it um you know is it or is it concrete and and real and it kind of highlights issues that maybe don't get highlighted i don't know i'm i'm curious what you think of the idea of the day and the month it does nothing for me i don't feel like it moves things forward um I f- i'm not, i think it's sort of like a lame attempt at oh women here you go kind of like black history month like why do we have to have these specific time points set aside for because the rest of the the 11 months are for white males so i i find it to be a not interesting doesn't make me feel special okay i didn't get a gift <laughs> but Peg, I will send you a Peg, pack of beer. you're already, as you <laughs> yourself said over. on our last podcast, the perfect mix already. So, what gift <laughs> could anyone possibly give you that would be appropriate? <laughs> Beth, you said you were going to go. Yeah. So, I agree with Peg on the sense of being an American white woman doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything to me. Nobody, you know, I'm not nobody's buying me flowers or beer or taking me to dinner because woohoo, it's you know National Women's Month. Um, but I was in Asia in 2000 through 2002, so I got to participate in two years of them celebrating it. Um, once in Thailand and once in Cambodia. And what I found interesting was that they had in Cambodia, which has got so many problems, they had this really terrific female leader. She wasn't the Minister of Labor, but maybe it was one of those like really super broad, let's give her everything no one else cares about portfolios. But she was a great speaker. The women were so excited that this day was about them and the same in Thailand. Like they all, we all wore matching t-shirts from the office and went to the march and they really saw it as kind of like how you see May 1st, International Solidarity Day. Um, This was a big deal to them. So I've seen like as an American woman, it's, yeah, it's that token month like, oh, yeah, we just had our, you know, the shortest month of the years for blacks and now we'll add the women next. Um, but I have seen I've had different experiences overseas with it. Great. Thanks, Shelley. Uh, yeah, it doesn't do anything for me. I think it's um, also just kind of a nod. Um, but I also feel like if they didn't do it or they then there would be an uprising or a, a desire to have it done. So it's like, do you, do you want it and what's the purpose? Do you don't want it and why? And why 
do you not want? Like it doesn't, what is it going to do? Um, and maybe the answer is there isn't anything that it needs to do, but it just gives this flash in time recognition that there have been great women in history internationally. And it did, I, I must say, it caused me when Alexa told me about it today. <laughs> I uh, Another great woman on. in history, Alexa, by the way. <laughs> I went on and, and scanned. So they have, you know, in Google, uh, artists, women artists or um, inventors, and they have them by category. So it was interesting to, it forced me to do something that I wouldn't do ordinarily if I wasn't aware of it. Yeah, thanks. Great. Jim. Yeah, well, I'm not the right person to ask about this. I mean, obviously, I think it's fine that they have it, but what it means is, you know, it's, it's not, I'm not a woman, uh, just like I wouldn't feel comfortable critiquing Black History Month because I'm not a person of color. So right. I want to say, you know, I think, you know, I, it certainly doesn't bother me. And I certainly think it's, I think it's good that, that it, it, to the extent it provides an opportunity for people to learn something or to feel honored or something about it. But obviously it doesn't solve, quote, these problems by having this month. So... So the organization, the the UN branch that uh, kind of has a website about International Women's Day, talks about the three the three goals or the three uh, mission elements of International Women's Day, which is to celebrate women's achievements, increase women's visibility, and call out inequality. Um, and I'm a little bit curious what you guys, how you guys, wh where you come down on that, based on what you've said. I think I kind of know where you where where you are, but if you haven't addressed one of those three. Is our, do you see the, the day or the month or the potential of the day or the month for achieving or even beginning to achieve any of those mission ideas um, uh, happening? Uh, and again, they're, they're celebrate achievements, increase visibility, and call it inequality. Well, to Shelley's point, they definitely, you know, celebrate. I mean, Alexa, it's funny. I was just thinking, oh, it's Alexa and Siri. It's two women who are answering all your questions and providing information. Um, and the Cambodian, I don't think it's a Cambodian saying, but the, the minister would say women hold up half the sky, meaning that we, we're half the population. We, we should be equally represented. And... The inequalities, I think, again, I think we're just going to be fighting this for so long. I mean, I've been lucky because most of my adult life I've worked in union organizations. So all our pay is based on the job. It doesn't matter whether I have a college degree or I don't have a college degree. I, if I have this job, I get paid this much, the same as Jim would get paid. So I, but I hear I have so many female friends who don't know how to negotiate for themselves and I, I try to help them or they find out that, you know, when they came in, they made $20,000 less than the last person who had the job. And so I think the inequality piece, I, we can publish as many reports as we want to. Where does it get us? It's like, I, I, how do we get a report into changing policy? And I think that's what you're hoping to get to in the sense of how do we fix this broken system? Yeah, I'd, I would like to know how having a month 
that looks at women changes inequality. Like it's, it's just like highlighting to me anyway, it's like highlighting, look at these amazing women who have done unbelievable things in many situations that men have not done. Um, and they're recognized, but how, and that's what I see is the biggest impact of this, but I would like to understand how that might get us more equal, you know, recognition, job, pay, whatever that might be. Um, and I, I, I don't see that connecting. So I'm a little confused by the UN's, that third criteria that you mentioned. Hmm. Peg? What's the question? The question is, of the, th of the three missions of International Women's Day, celebrate women's achievements, increase visibility, and call out inequality, do you think that it's accomplishing or can accomplish any one of those three? I mean, and I guess it could call out inequality. That's easy enough to do. Uh, I don't think it can, besides calling it out, I don't know what it can do. Well, maybe I should have asked, do you think that's a valid, those are, those are good missions? <laughs> do you think those are reasonable missions? Because maybe that's the underlying, uh, maybe that's the underlying, you know, um, I think question that, I that's, didn't ask. That's decent. I mean, why not do those three things? Um, if you can do it, that's a whole nother story. But it's good to have goals and it's good to aim high. Um you know, for me, which we're not necessarily talking about, but my job is a stereotypically a woman's job. Mm -hmm. So I haven't ever once felt like, oh, a man who's a nurse is getting paid more than me. It, maybe he is, but I never have even thought that that was an issue. Um, I'd be surprised if it was an I issue. I bet they are. I bet. You think? Uh-huh just feel like a nurse is a nurse i mean and they put the salaries right on the the, the job postings and interesting well the bureau of labor statistics says eight what is it 82 80 82 cents to every dollar for um and that was 78 that's where women are 78 what is it you're 78, 78 okay um, that could be wrong about that. okay I look, it was 29, the t number I looked at was 2019 from them, but I, they, I know the Center for American Progress had a much more comprehensive list, including international differences mm -hmm. of, um, of, uh, uh, of income. And I thought, I, I, but I mean, it, those, those statistics are interesting because I rarely meet an individual person who is the statistic, right? It's, it's, and that's, I think, a lot of what Ruth Bader Ginsburg used to argue about on the Supreme, or used to talk about in some of the uh, decisions that she wrote in the Supreme Court. I, so I, th I think there's a lot of there's there's a lot of evidence that it that it is lower. How it plays out, Peg, I'm not exactly sure. Um, in all cases, because like Beth says, especially in union contract situation, the contract is the contract. It's very clearly written out and there's no, not a lot of room. There's no room, no room for wiggle room. Uh, so you know that what do you, what it says is what's happening. But let me ask you a little bit more. Jim, did you want to chime in on that? No, go, go. Good. So let me ask you about internationalism a little bit, because that we, you know, as Jim mentioned, the statistics I started with were mostly U.S. I actually saw the statistics from the Center for American Progress that listed um, kind of international uh, inequities, which are much more severe than in the U.S. of of women and uh, men, between men, women and men earnings. Uh, but I do, I guess I I am wondering what the significance is of this 
uh, how much do you guys think the significance of this, as Beth said, really rests in an international setting versus in a, a U.S. setting and how important it is for us to be creating, I don't know, for, for, for the day to be, uh, for the day to be inspiring people to, I don't know, change, accomplish these missions internationally versus only in the U.S. Um, it, it, is it, I mean, Peggy's, it's, I do think it's very interesting that both Peggy and, and Beth's example, two of their most powerful examples of the day's significance were not from the U.S. And I guess I'm wondering what we, you know, I don't know how you guys think about whether you even do think about the U.S. when you're thinking about this or if you think internationally. I think more international just because of my experience and I've never like I said I had never even heard of it before I went overseas and I certainly don't do anything about it here yeah yeah I have to say just the opposite sadly just because I live here and I work here and the people I know and I'm the closest to live here and maybe that's a very elitist American way of thinking, but that's the first thing that pops into my mind versus the larger international community, which is sad, but um, that's how I think. Yeah, and I definitely... Well, let me build on that. Oh, Beth, go ahead. Yeah, I definitely... Like, I think about... When I'm thinking about it, it's more a U.S. perspective. But the work I did in Cambodia was with female garment workers, and 90% of the garment industry was female workers, very specifically to get people who weren't going to fight back and form unions. And, And so I'm reminded of that every March 1st about the struggles of women around the world, Um, but also on your looking at statistics and this kind of gets into how we could get better if you look at you know a place like sweden or you know any of the sort of nordic countries or other parts of europe i mean they have a just such a strong social safety net and programs that allow women to take a year maternity leave and get back into the workforce and provide proper early childhood education and well-being and you know so there there are so many things we could aim for to make it better here we we have uh, you know as a um I mean, and maybe it's maybe what we started the conversation with of you guys saying that you know a few of you saying that that women are staying home because of the traditional women's roles of staying home and um and I think that's un- that's unquestionably true. And that is it's a little that's a little disheartening to me, because as a gay man, I'm always thinking about well, we don't first of all, you know, first of all, we're we're negotiating that. There's no there's there's no pre there's I don't have any family pressure or friend pressure or social pressure to do a specific thing because there are no roles for us. Um, so uh, we're kind of we're kind of inventing it. But I'm curious. But I I I guess I'm a little bit surprised that um, you know. Uh, the the solu- the potential for solutions might not be um, the the solution the best solution might not be a completely egalitarian world where you know men stay home men stayed home during the next pandemic just as much as women did well 
it would be better not to have any more pandemics if we're talking about uh, <laughs> solutions like in that sense. Look, like almost every serious problem, the problem of the fact that women don't receive equal treatment or equal respect or whatever, and they don't receive equal treatment or equal respect, and you can add several other things to that, is a problem that is a problem both of government policy, because there's a role governments can play in it, but it's also a, a problem of social change and attitudes, okay? So to Shelley's point, uh, when she said earlier, and I'm sure one of the factors in two-income marriages is if the decision is made is that one person has to stay home and take care of the kids, there's a strong argument, irrespective of any ideological goals of saying that the person who earns less money on the outside is the one who stays home. And that, of course, goes back to this point, whether it's 78 cents on a dollar or 82 cents on a dollar, clearly women don't make as much money as men. And there are a lot of reasons for that. None of them are good reasons. And, and those are things that have to be addressed. But even if you have a much better government policies, than you do in the currently in the United States. And perhaps there's an opportunity now to enact some of those policies. Uh, given even though the Democrats have a thin margins, they they should be pushing to act get enacted what they can enact during this opportunity. But even if you enact those policies, that alone isn't going to wipe away the problem. Just as government action alone won't stop discrimination or unequal treatment against people of color. That requires societal change, too. And the two can go hand in hand, and we shouldn't dismiss mm -hmm. one or the other. They both are important. And it's also true that we should not overlook the fact we are very far from living in a world where uh, equality is a given and, it, and we have achieved it. But we're also very far from the world that I grew up in, in terms of, of uh, opportunities for women. So we've made progress. We haven't made nearly enough progress. And how to keep moving that ball forward. And look, if you're a woman or if you're a person of color, it's easy it's not easy to hear that and and i wouldn't if i were a woman or a person of color i wouldn't accept that and they shouldn't accept it but the reality is that uh you know we have to keep move, pushing the ball forward in both terms of societal attitudes and in terms of changing uh, government policies but there is no well, to, simple well, to, solution to this well yeah to, so for sure so to that maybe I'll shift gears a little bit before I get to if if anybody wants to chime in with any hard solutions that would be great but I always thought I'd maybe shift gears a little bit and ask about uh if any of you have any particular women who you look to as voices for or uh for speaking about women's issues or writing about women's issues any particular female authors that you think are particularly uh important for for you as um you know in in what you listen to or think about or maybe speak speakers or voices that you're hearing, um, or maybe even entertainers. Um, I last night watched uh, Knives Out and on, uh, on Amazon the movie, which was pretty good. But before that, before that, my sister was putting on a bunch of uh, a bunch of former Kennedy Center um, uh, 
the the what are the what does the Kennedy Center do? Those annual awards where they give they have mm-hmm. one performer, and she put out a bunch by um, the one for Cher and the one for Kristen Chenoweth, and I was like, I love this show, <laughs> and I was I was enjoying <laughs> it. So I was uh, so entertainers would be fine too. But are there Golden any particular um, entertainers or writers who you think of as winners? What shall? I think it was the Golden Globes. Is that what you're talking about? No, no, no. We were oh. watching old YouTube videos in oh. preparation for the night for Knives Out. I have no live television in my life, so this is a rare. <laughs> it was a rare occasion that okay. I turned on a te- turned on a, a a screen that we could all watch together. Um, but it was fun. Uh, but anyway, I'm curious about uh, any writers or voices that you guys think are particularly important for you for women's issues. Like Cher, Savage Mount is example of Cher no, was your I, example. This is, it's- yeah. Jim, are you going to be disparaging towards Sherry? You better be careful. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't um, a writer or inspiration. Um, I guess she was. Actually, um, I secretly have always ad- always admired Amelia Earhart. Um, and it was mostly because I think she was this huge adventurer. She was a risk taker. She did write books. But uh, the one thing that she did was... Um, start this group uh, for training for female pilots and you know back in the I don't know 1930s I guess that was like extremely um, ahead of her time Uh, and so I've always admired her in that respect Um, cut her own cloth great I love it yes that's a good one I don't really have one. I mean, right now I'm on this Dolly Parton kick. Um, oh. and I find her to be interesting. Well, she solved the pandemic. Yes, she did. <laughs> How did she do that? <laughs> she 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 funded the research that got to the best to the vaccine. Oh, if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't a, have a vaccine. Well, that may be a bit of an overstatement, but yes, she did contribute <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but I I'm fine with crediting her with that. <laughs> she Me too. The pandemic. What are you into about Dolly? Oh, I just find her story pretty interesting. and Which part of it? Oh, just all of it. Like, she started off the classic, living in the holler, poor as dirt. They made soup soup out of rocks. (laughs) (laughs) And now she's this gajillionaire, and she she just owns her look. And um, she was... She changed the music industry, I think, for a lot of women. Um, she stood up to that guy, Porter Wagner, eventually. You know, at just she doesn't. That's who um, she used to partner with when she was uh, first started in music. He was an older, more established guy. And he was, uh, it was very common in those days, at least for country music stars, for women and men. You put in these partnerships, and she was sort of in a partnership with Porter Wagner. And he apparently, yeah, but he apparently, really well, let me put it this he way: a, he apparently was a real asshole. So yeah, he totally <laughs> manipulated yeah. her. And but again, um, I'll bet that's not the only case where that happened. So, but right, yeah, right. no, yeah. and she finally stood up to him, and yeah. it was him, it was her that the when she went off on her own and yeah. Went to the record company. She's a far bigger say, star I, than Porter Wagoner ever yeah. was. And so. She said, I know you guys are going to be, you, I know I'm. you're worried about me without Porter Wagner, but I, I promise you I'll work hard. And they all were like, no, it's you we're interested in, in not him. I mean, it, she's just, um, even the way she talks about sex workers, she doesn't judge. She's not. She doesn't judge people. And she gets judged all the time. 
and it doesn't let her um doesn't let her affect her like she makes jokes about how she looks which i think is a great way for her to handle it if that's the way she wants to look mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i do believe that she's a bit of an inspiration for musicians um especially country musicians i mean you if you listen to young women now who are country musicians like brandy carlisle and miranda lambert and they all just think dolly is a badass and i think they're right so but that's not i don't know i don't really have one off the top of my I head like besides it. dolly i'd have to think about it it's pretty you it's a pretty comprehensive non-one uh, but yeah. it's great Thanks, <laughs> <That's a good laughs> <one>. <laughs> don't minimize it what is it and make sure that Ted cues in a Dolly song for this episode. Yeah, yeah, we have to find one. Yeah, well, if the, if the YouTube video goes as well right, as we want, as we want, well, we're if we put the YouTube video, this up on YouTube, we'll have we'll have videos playing in the background. No, we can't do that unless we're, we're actually about. talking about the song. I actually did a lot of research on this. <laughs> and you, you know, she's it. extremely smart businesswoman yeah. as well, and extremely ah, cool. talented. And. She has written over 3,000 songs, and when Elvis wanted to sing her song, I Will Always Love You, and he wanted to own it, she said, no, sorry, and she was devastated and so sad because everybody said, you're nuts. Elvis wants to sing your song, and it was the wisest move she ever made. It's great. Still writing checks because of Whitney's version. She, She recorded it twice, and it was number one twice from her recording and then when Whitney recorded it it was number one again so I don't know how common that is to have one song be at the top of the charts three times Jim can probably tell us (laughs) yeah (laughs) it is it is uncommon (laughs) that's great that's great Jim Beth who wants to go next so I'll go next I'm going to answer it a little differently um because I as you started the question, somebody popped into my head and then you finished it. And I was like, oh, that's not what he asked. But I just want to answer what you asked. Um, so my Aunt Kathy, she's the one who I went to help her get ready to move. But she teaches or taught Irish history and she was denied tenure at her university. And this would have been I guess late 60s, early 70s, and she sued and she got her tenure awarded and she was involved in her union and she, her specialty is the troubles in Ireland, but specifically the role of women in trying to bridge the divide in Ireland. Um, And so I just grew up hearing all these inspiring stories. And when I've gone to Ireland, I've met some of these female leaders. Um, and, you know, my dad, I'm the oldest, and then there's my sister, and then my three brothers. And my dad had no freaking idea what to do with girls. So he just raised my sister and I like we were boys. So he taught us everything. Like, I can change a tire, I can paint a room, I can, you know, change out a, a light fixture. Ride a bike. It, it just... Ride swim. a bike, swim, swim. <laughs> go outside. So I just <laughs> grew up thinking I could do whatever I wanted. And yeah, that's great. I, and it's interesting because, you know, also, again, I don't know how much of this is 
always working in a union environment or about how I was raised, but Jim will tell you, I, I, I could sit in lots of meetings and not say a word because if it's already been said, why say it again? But if something had to be said, I never felt like, oh, they don't want to hear from me. I, you know, so I think, yes, there's lots of people, like I only will go to female doctors. I try to be careful, like how I spend my money. I have a fe female financial planner. I, you know, I try to choose things that way and support women that way. But I think most, I, you know, my aunt Kathy, I have to say is like on my top, list of who I admire and who, what gave me confidence to be the pushy broad that I am. I love it. I love me it. Too. Thanks. Awesome. Jim. Uh, so just uh, for clarification, uh, so Dolly Parton's version of the song reached number one twice on the Hot Country 100, not the, the overall Hot 100, but that is still a very rare thing. The only song that's ever done that on the overall hot 100 the one that is usually referred to is the chevy checkers recording the twist that twice went to number one but it's pretty rare even on the hot country chart for that song to have done that uh whitney houston's version was number one for 14 weeks which is extraordinary on the on the hot 100 chart so that's pretty popular so i would say there are three women whose voices are particularly important and inspirational to me and they are Beth Shannon, Shelley Cummings, and Peggy Bennett. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Jim's running for Senate. Very nice. Oh, Jim, that's sweet. Why, Jim? Because I listen to their voices and I respect their opinions. And uh, occasionally they listen to me. Sometimes, <laughs> actually, they listen to me more than they want to. How about that? So They're forced <laughs> to listen to me more than they want to. Nice. Uh, for me, it's for me. There are many um, other women that I respect too. So, but I I'm sure. I, for me, I, I actually the first thing that popped in my mind what I was thinking of, and, and Beth, by the way, I did purposely kind of uh, throw out a whole bunch of different ideas of what how the question could be answered to keep a wide aperture, hoping I would get you to say uh, say say something interesting. And I thought it was great. So I love I love where you went with it. For, uh, for me, the first thing I thought of when I and I kind of just gave this a momentary thought before we started the podcast was I really I've liked working with and for women. Um, so I'd say everybody, all the women that I've worked for and with for some reason. And what's interesting is all, especially the women I've worked for, I definitely have preferred working for women and the women I've worked for would hate that I ever said that they would, uh, find it, they would find, they would be, they would be near borderline outraged that I would, that I'd like somehow put their, their sex as a, uh, as a, uh, reason why I might like them. And, and that, and I don't know that it is why, but when I look at the correlation, the correlation's very high. So it's kind of, a um, uh, for, for me, it's, for me, it's, it has something to do with work and, and how we interact at work and how we get along with each other at work. Um, well, let me just ask uh, to, to uh, as we're heading out, let me ask a um, uh, w one last question of uh, I like to I the way I like to frame things, I picture uh, this podcast and our kind of conversations going out to young people because I was a teacher for a very long time and I still think of I still think in those terms and I think about young people and how they uh, what they're how they're perceiving things. So I'm wondering if you uh, could look in a crystal ball, look in your crystal ball and think, what do you think for a young woman today, maybe somebody who's one year old or somebody who's just been born, uh, what do you think the issues that are going to be facing them when they're your age? 
um, will be. <laughs> oh, <my> God. <laughs> I don't uh, know. I hope it's none of the issues we're facing now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, that's one. fair. That is fair. Any, uh, any, any, uh, any, any advice for the, for the or, or hopes, wishes for the, the youngest women that are out there? That's a, man, that's a big question. I mean, mine would be don't set limits. I mean, to, to Beth's comment, you can do anything you put your mind to, regardless of being male or female. You should do it. Don't, ha don't feel you are limited um, by being female in any regard, in anything you want to do. Unless you want to be a male stripper. <laughs> you can get you can get pins to put on your body to make you look like a male. <laughs> Thanks, Peg. <laughs> okay, others. Well, I don't know. Somehow, people need to have women need to have really solid self-esteem and I don't know how to advise somebody to have one but that's just key to feeling like you can do all those things uh, to feel confident to speak up I don't know I think the three of us do um, you know I think sometimes people look at it, my career choice and think oh what a woman's thing but it's it's what you make of it, and it's been the most incredible career. I would, I, I think, I would do it all over again if I could. Um, yeah, take risks, be confident, love yourself. I do think that women are going to be facing a lot of the same issues. Young women or young girls are going to be faced a lot of the same issues that we still face, that people still faced in the '60s, that they still faced in the, you know, this whole right to choose, um, equal pay. I think those things are not going away anytime soon. Sorry, my dogs are barking. I'm muting. I think, um, yeah, I think that I've definitely seen progress in messaging to young girls and tweens on, you know, even like the run like a girl campaign or, feel confident to speak up in class and just more kind of addressing things in the moment um, and just calling people out on language. Um, you know, like girls are supposed to be nice. Well, everyone should be nice. Like, why is it the girl's job to be nice? Um, so I do see these little, um, you know, movements where I think we are making progress and, for my um, friends and my sister, who has a 12-year-old daughter, you know, we talk about this a lot. Like, okay, mm -hmm. so how is her confidence? What's going on? Now, interestingly, she has a twin brother, and she does better in school than he does in a lot of subjects. And so she's not getting it that way. But, like, when does it become where she loses that confidence? And so I think people are much more aware about it aware of it now um and just i've done it at work too if i see a woman getting treated differently than a guy like if the woman's asked to go make copies i'm like wait a minute keith's got legs he can go do it 
Um, so I think, you know, it's on all of us to kind of speak up and capture it in the moment if we feel we safely can. But I agree that it's just structurally our society. It's I sadly, I think 50 years from now, there's going to be, you know, people are going to queue up this podcast and talk about, you know, if things changed or not. Yeah. Yeah. John, Jim. do you have any or anybody else have any final thoughts before we close? I close out. Yeah. Did, did you have any? No. Did you have I've a, got, a, a I'm going to do the closing. It? So I'm ready whenever. Oh, oh okay. No, no, no. No, I'm I, I, great, Jim. I'm anybody glad. else? Home. Final thoughts? No, I hope I, I loved everything you guys said. Excellent. No, and Thanks. I, I just, I know Jim's trying to get us off, but one final thought for John. I have um, friends whose daughter's now 14. And so one of the dads opted out of the workforce for the first couple of years to take care of their daughter and faced so many of the things you talked about and basically called all his mo friends who were moms and his sister and apologize for never understanding fully what women traditionally go through. Like his husband would come home and say, did you get the dry cleaning? And he's like, are you freaking kidding me? The oh, baby vomited yeah. six times. So yeah. I, there are others out there and I can connect you if you want to see some future hope. Yeah, no, it's great. And I definitely am. I, I definitely am uh, not only sympathetic, but I'm I kind of in a policy standpoint. I'm like, I can't believe we can't as this country that considers itself so great get to the point where we don't give par some parent a year off paid so that they can be home with a kid because there's nothing more important. Yeah, right. I agree. All right. Very good. Thank you, John. Thank you, Peggy. Thank you, Beth. Thank you, Shelly. Uh, before we close, let me just give you a couple of statistics. Uh, the women's uh, participation in the U.S. labor force has gone down by 2.4%, according to the Blur of Labor Statistics. Male participation in the workforce has gone down 1.9%. But among women with young children, their participation has gone down 3.8%, as opposed to men's, which is also around 1.9%. So clearly... The vector, as John would like to say on these things, is the presence of children is driving the larger part of the women's uh, greater non-participation in the workforce. Another part of that that we probably should recognize is that women uh, are also disproportionately uh, in uh, some of the low-paired jobs, which you know goes back to these old other things, and a lot of those jobs have gone away or have been severely curtailed because of the pandemic. Any event, thank you for joining us for this. Thanks to our regular editor, Justin Mullins. Thanks to Ted Enley for the music. Thanks to Mary Heinz for overall support and help. Thank you to all our listeners. Please provide a comment any way that you can and tell anyone that you can about this episode. This was not are expected to be next episode. Our next episode, which will be out in approximately a week, will be our look at the one-year anniversary of the pandemic. And we'll be going back and looking at what we said about it a year ago, back when we were still called Two Guys in Search of Something. Uh, thank you for joining us. Have a great day. We'll talk to you.